and we are live uh, for episode 94 of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. Um, this is a fuck this week edition, which uh, I, I feel a bit repetitive sometimes saying uh, the intro to this stuff because, you know, I come out with a lot of the same shit every week when I uh, introduce you guys, some of you, the newer listeners uh, to this. But the, the fuck this week editions are the solo episodes. Uh, usually on a Friday night, I would have a guest on. Um, but this week, do you know what, guys? Uh, it switched around a bit. Uh, partly because there's so much that I want to talk about that's happened um, uh, this this just in the last like seven days, right? Um, but partly because I've been so ill all week, <laughs> it's like like proper ill, like like melodramatic, unhappy child ill, the sort of illness where your your kid, uh, uh, you know, over exit to try and make you think that they're sick enough to be off school, like that. That's how ill I've actually been, and I'm still a bit off tonight, actually, to be honest. Like, like my gut is just horse fucked. It's just. Like, I don't know if it's viral. Um, uh, oh, hello. Hello to Richard on the uh, on the live chat. Um, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't know if it's viral, uh, like a gastro flu thing. Or did I just eat some sewage laden polio sandwich or some shit? You know, like, like you try to keep your hands clean when you're changing nappies. I know like the mums and the dads that are listening will will feel my pain with this. When you're clean, when you're changing nappies and you're wiping bums, and, and all that business. Uh, you try your best to keep your hands clean afterwards. But sometimes you wonder, like, did I wash them enough? Did I? Oh, hang on. Do I remember washing them before I picked up this sandwich? Like, you know, there's, I'm sure there's been moments where I've I've just got distracted or, you know, I meant to wash them and then the kid like ran away and I didn't. And then I've ingested some fucking baby poop. Um, and then, you know, I, maybe that maybe that's what worked its way into my system. And now my gut has spent all week telling me how bad it is to ingest fecal bacteria. Like, is it that? Is that what's happened? Uh, interestingly enough, actually, ingesting fecal bacteria is also why I don't watch GB News. Um, so there we go. There's that. We've we've dragged dragged my parenting uh, problems and gut problems into uh, the political sphere. Uh, nice segue there. Pat on the back for me. Um, so yeah, anyway, let's let's not get too graphic here. Let's not lower the tone to the level that it's definitely going to be lowered to anyway. But uh, honestly, at its peak, right, on, <laughs> I, I, I promise I won't dwell on this too much, but on Wednesday night, I felt like a bucket with a leak getting topped up, you know? Like just sat on the toilet, everything coming out of both ends, this was absolutely a penthouse and basement performance. And then, like, I'd have to drink more water, you know, like, to, to make sure I'm not dehydrated. But then it just, yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a rough week, guys. No, uh, no, over, uh, what's the word? So you can tell I haven't really slept much this week because it's like I'm, I'm already stumbling with my uh, articulation and shit. Um, also, like, I didn't really eat for two days. And that's a weird thing, because then you start thinking weird shit like, is it because I haven't eaten that I feel so weak? Or is it is is that actually wrapped up in the general package of this bug? You know, like the weakness? Like, I could barely walk up the fucking stairs. And my girlfriend's like, are you still going to be able to pick up the kids from school? <laughs> like, are you fucking blind? Like, my girlfriend's ability to push back on the slightest inconvenience to her really is 
outstanding. It's like in a league of its own. I'm like, I can barely stay awake for two hours. I can't eat. I've been puking and shitting all night. Walking up the stairs kills me. And she's like, but you're still all right to do pickup though, right? Like, like what would we be like if I was... These are the thoughts that go through your mind when when you're... Uh, what's the word? Delibitated? Is that the right word? Uh, you know, just laid out on your back. Uh, for a few days as you start thinking this is what it must be like for people who are you know irreparably damaged in some you know they've been in a serious accident they've you know like what would it be like if i was a war veteran or if someone plowed into me and the spinal damage was so bad i was doped up on propofol and i had no use of my legs and i couldn't lift anything heavier than a notepad i reckon my girlfriend then would be like well you i mean you you're still going to be able to mow the lawn, right? I mean, this doesn't this doesn't change anything, right? Like, <laughs> so that was fun. You're still going to do pickup, though, right? Are you fucking joking? Like, I, I mean, she's not that bad, um, but yeah, she did she did ask if I could still do the school run. Um, anyway, uh, if it's your first time listening to the potty, welcome, welcome. I promise it's not always just me talking about my uh, my gut problems. Um, it's your twice weekly delve into the worlds of politics, comedy, and dystopia. Um, two days earlier in the week, I will, I'll just, I'll quickly touch on some other shit that's happened as well. Um, uh, two days earlier this week, I, I'd been up since four, two days in a row. And I remember thinking like, do you know when you're so tired and delirious, from kids keeping you up, you know, that my daughter, like my son's awake at bastard o'clock in the morning. My daughter's awake throughout the night. I'm constantly doing like the night feeds and all that shit and changing nappies. And you get to a point where the sleep deprivation is so bad that you think like, I, if somebody deprived me of sleep for one more day, I might fuck around and confess to 9-11, you know, like it, fe it feels like I'm being tortured in some way. So it's been a tough week health wise. And I feel like, I feel like one of those old bastards, you know, like your parents or your grandparents get talking to when you're with them in the supermarket and everything they talk about is their health. You know, you're like, how, how are you doing? They're like, well, I'm okay, but you know, let me tell you, I've got, I've got a bunion and my blood pressure ain't so good neither. It's like worst banter ever, granddad. And anyway, here I am basically making that shit into a podcast. So fuck me, clearly. Um, big news this week, overseas especially. Um, first, they they overturned Roe v. Wade, which is clearly a giant step backwards. Um, and then we have the January the 6th hearings. Uh, but we can start with Roe v. Wade. Um uh, I will just say this right before we before we jump right into this. I'm I'm still feeling quite peaky here. So if if the stream or the podcast that you're listening to suddenly goes dead, then I don't, if it's a stream, then call me an ambulance. But if <laughs> if it's a if it's a podcast, it's too late. And I don't know, send donations to my memorial fund or some shit or the Patreon, which my children will probably inherit. Um, let's start with Roe v. Wade. So it's quite weird, right? I I put out a tweet in the immediate aftermath. Um, hot tweeting, they should call it. And usually when I do that, it's like an instinctive reaction to some breaking news that turns out to be 
rooted in falsehoods and fake news and and then i end up feeling like a fucking idiot you know like like um you know in in the in the initial aftermath of the referendum then i I would be tweeting stuff like well you know it looks like remain are gonna inch it guys so i guess we could all chill out a bit you know and then you wake up a few hours later like oh bugger you know (laughs) like i should have i should have maybe waited you know hot tweeting for me always feels like like your friend giving you one third of the story the gossip but you never factor in that it's anchored in his own biases you know so he's told you his side of the story and you've just taken it like face value oh this is definitely what happened absolutely and then you go running your mouth off about it only to find out that he didn't tell you the whole shit and now you look like a fucking bellhead you know like it's it's a bit like that hot tweeting although interesting side note um this kind of happened once actually i used to know i used to know this guy who told me that he'd had a threesome and immediately after that like the the next day he was telling everyone about it like everyone like we were in the pub people would walk in the pub that afternoon and he'd be like oh well i think uh, james has a right to know and like go over and tell james and carl and robbie and everyone else in our little group and i had a threesome did you hear that i had a threesome and like but like running his mouth off and some and then one of the girls he said he'd had a threesome with comes in and one of these guys that he's mouthed off to shouts like oi i heard you had a threesome with ollie here you know <laughs> and she walks up to him and slaps him in front of everyone <laughs> and it was just this like hero to zero thing like instantly and then it turns out later after a few beers she's actually divulging what's happened now she feels more comfortable that this is out in the public arena clearly and uh and she says quite candidly she's like i mean it wasn't even really a threesome like like we didn't really want much to do with him so we just sorted each other out while he jerked himself off on the bed (laughs) like like how do you go from threesome cool to jerking yourself off and then get slapped in the face for lying about it all like it's like from from here to here you know it's like barrymore levels of rise and fall um anyway on this occasion i can actually stand by my hot tweeting uh back to the subject at hand uh and in the immediate aftermath of the overturning of roe v wade i said that it was sad and backward and small-minded and unutterably shameful and it is um you know if i could just take a moment to be serious on this podcast um i think for 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 the supreme court judges to overturn something like that and to effectively give a sort of federalized license to states to ban it when people can be in all kinds of situations it's like i don't i cannot get my head around this idea that your wife or your daughter or your sister might be attacked uh impregnated against their will obviously um and then they might be in a situation where they just want to terminate and that's before we even get into the you know the the always wheeled out arguments about like well how can you be this pro-life about that but so anti-life about gun control you know it just on its base level how can you be so devoid of compassion that when your 
wife or mistress or sister gets in that situation that you would deny them that treatment. That just seems out to lunch batshit to me. And I suppose the answer to that is that they don't believe that it's it's off limits for them. Actually, a lot of these people who write the laws and vote for them and campaign for them or against them, depending on you know which side of the fence they're sitting on, a lot of them actually have no problem when it's them in the driving seat. When it's them in an awkward situation, they absolutely proceed with an abortion. And I think there's been well-documented cases of like congressmen and Republicans, and uh, I'm sure there's, there's better read experts on this than I, but I've definitely read situations where Republican... Uh, politicians in the United States who have been against abortion very much in the pro-life arena advocating for the banning of abortion have actually turned out and been exposed for having had abortions themselves or rather you know having their wives or mistresses or you know um so it's it's a mix of hypocrisy and uh total lack of compassion but I mean I suppose that's just a every fucking day in conservative with a small c politics these days anyway um the u.s has gone on quite a journey hasn't it i mean when we when we look at what it was like 10 years ago 12 years ago to what it's like now i mean as has the uk admittedly let's put that disclaimer out there without delay the u.s has gone from being a neoliberal world leader with broadly progressive values to this sort of bin fire of separation of families and mass homelessness, tent cities, and now the rolling back of abortion rights. And I saw the other day a Republican. Uh, her name is Lauren Boebert. You should Google her because she's about to take us to the next level. So she's just been elected. She just won in Colorado. She's a congresswoman now, which means she has power and influence in votes and swaying opinion and, you know, all the rest of it. And she was all over the news this week denouncing the separation of church and state. Let that sink in for a minute. A newly elected Republican congresswoman who will now have a say in how laws are constructed and signed off, will have an absolute say in things, is denouncing the separation of church and state. That's like one of the cornerstones of American democracy is... But when you think what America is about or pretends to be about is what, like religious freedom, uh, uh, freedom from persecution, liberty, be who you are, the American dream. You can do it if you just work hard enough, whoever you are. And now Trumpy lunatics like this Bobert woman are like, oh, I love America. I like all that it stands for. And you're like, well... How, how do we know that? Because I'm waving the flag, silly. You know, like, all right, well, what about religious freedom and keeping the church from oppressing people and keeping shit small government, like, out of my business? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you know, I don't like your tone. I'm just saying that if you love America and it's all about the freedoms that it brings, then why are you trying to turn it into some cut-price Taliban shit? I think it's I think it's you that sounds like you hate America. If you don't mind my saying so, sir. Now y'all have a good day. It's, you know, it's like that kind of that kind of vibe. It's like this sort of weird paradoxical celebration of all things America. Flag waving, um, the stars and the stripes, apple pie, 
but yet it's all just this superficial layer of flags and apple pie. And then once you actually dig beneath it and you say, well, hang on a second, the whole thing about America is freedom, right? Uh, and independence. And and then they're like, no, actually what it's about is me waving my flag and saying that I'm better than everyone else. Like, that's kind of how it feels now. And now this woman's like trying to roll back the separation of church and state, or at least pretending that that's what she's about. I don't know. You can never really rule that out, can you? That she's just playing to the crowd. She's just saying what she thinks people in her... I don't know if they call it a constituency over there. But is she just saying the things that she thinks those morons want to hear? You know? But anyway, as I said, Britain has also descended into a political dumpster fire. Uh, also a world leader. Um, what did we do? We coordinated the Good Friday Agreement. We renewed the NHS. We had a seat at the table of the biggest trading bloc in the world with veto rights. And now what? Like now we have cabinet ministers who look like 19th century waxworks, parodies of Victorians. We haven't just left the EU, but we're on the verge of breaking up our own union. <laughs> and the world is watching while we willfully and knowingly break international law and trash our own reputation. So there's that, you know, let's own that before the trashing of America continues. We now live in a country where people like Lawrence Fox can go on Nick Ferrari, LBC, which is all too, I know it's like supposedly a London radio station. It was originally called London. Was it London broadcast something? Anyway, now it's sort of like basically a national talk like chat radio right so lawrence fox can go on a national talk radio station and indeed television let's not forget that and he can say that there's such an urgent need to address british values and allow people to speak their mind free speech you can't say anything nowadays and then when someone like Steve Bray gets his megaphone taken away, the entire right wing of British politics is like, nah, well, I didn't like him, though, so fuck everything that he has to say. You know, just ah, fuck him. But I thought you were free speech. Nah, fuck him. Like, conspicuously absent is the phrase, isn't it? Where are all the free speech warriors demanding that he gets his loudspeaker back? Or is it only when you want to drop a racial slur in the Met Police WhatsApp that you can't say anything nowadays and it's the same thing with halifax this week right i know we're sort of ping-ponging from the us to the uk here but bear with me it's exactly the same thing with halifax right here is a bank that for unforgivably superficial and marketing reasons only probably they've decided to promote the optional field of pronouns on their staff's name badges so Halifax are basically like, sometimes our staff might have pronouns because, you know, we, we want to be respectful of their identities. And people have lost their fucking minds. They're saying, oh, bank with you. I saw an article in the Daily Mail published today. It said like tweets from people going, I've banked with you for 25 years, but no more. I will not stand by and support a business that inflicts wokeism on its customers. Support a business. <laughs> And this will invariably be tweeted by some angry 47-year-old gammon prick who, like, supports them with his free bank account and maxed-out overdraft. I've supported you for years. 
and they're like you took one of our credit cards maxed it and we never even got the fucking money back now now we just deal with your iva provider clawing it back at seven pounds a month well you listen to me sir i'll never bank with you again if you start with this pronoun shit then the bank would be like well hang on a second you said sir that's a pronoun you used to pronoun gary quick call an ambulance before one of us dies Honestly, this country is so chock to the brim filled with telegraph mail reading morons who top up and drink down the culture war Kool-Aid at every opportunity. Every time it's served up, just drink that shit down. Where's my anger juice? More, please. Like this is the week that Johnson has been found to have been, what, getting blowjobs from his mistress at the same time as trying to hand her a hundred grand job that she's not qualified for. The height of corruption. <laughs> this is the same week that we now have a Tory sex pest revealed. Same week that we, the, the, the fucking pound sterling tanked another 10%, making imports and yes, petrol more expensive a fucking yen. And what is it that your Uncle Ron and Grandma are talking about? bloody pr pronouns oh it's ridiculous isn't it is he or she i don't i don't get it why, why should i have to change the way that i speak i speak english if you want to speak english in a weird warped way then you know just bog off to a america or something but you really couldn't you couldn't ask for a better better example Ex oh i can't talk tonight guys you couldn't ask for a better example of the ridiculousness of the free speech brigade could you like with the halifax it is literally like people saying you can't say anything anymore cancel culture snowflakes you can't say anything everyone's too sensitive nowadays then halifax say something and they're like burn it down god get rid of it cancel act i will bathe in your canceldom they don't have to have pronouns on there. That's the weird thing. It's like not everyone is going to have them. Just some staff, if they feel the need to announce that or celebrate it or, you know. I think it was James O'Brien who said uh, on his show. Like, how often are you actually going to get into a conversation about gender in a fucking bank? Like... I mean, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. O'Brien tends to hold back on the swearing a tad more than me. We're not actually that far away now from things being, like, inverse cancelled. That's something I think we're going to start seeing in the next... Like, if the Tories don't get out soon, inverse cancelling, pre-cancelling, pre-crime, is going to start happening. Like, when we talk about cancel culture, we normally mean... In the newspapers and on TV, I guess they would like it would be taken to mean sensitive lefties cancelling programs or albums because the content wasn't deemed to be what like politically correct or something. But that's sort of retrospective when that happens. They make an episode of Peep Show where Jeremy blacks up, and then retrospectively, it's deemed to be insensitive to some or could be and then so it's re-edited or removed and so that's a typical example i suppose of of cancel culture right but we're not actually that far now from inverted cancel culture in the sense that like where the thing hasn't happened yet but it still gets you blacklisted censored shut down like like if johnson and patel and rob stay in power after the next ge 
if we get another five years of Conservatives, how long do you think it will be before you see the first journalist charged on trumped-up charges? You know? Like, we're already living in a country where Patel is talking about bringing in legislation where 10-year jail terms could be implemented for journalists who embarrass the government. Like, they've already said that. She's on record on Newsnight, not, not Newsnight, sorry, Question Time, saying that she thinks that the death penalty could be considered a deterrent. Uh, Boris Johnson has shown time and time again that he's willing to go whichever way the wind blows. And if the wind blows in the direction that Patel and the rest of the Conservative government dictate to Fleet Street that it should go, then why not? Why not implement some sort of journalist bashing laws and controls? Like if James O'Brien, he's obviously in my head now. If James O'Brien, one of the most, if not the most, prominent liberal voices in British political broadcasting today. If he announced that he was doing a new seven o'clock current affairs show on Channel 4 or ITV, assuming the government don't further neuter dissenting media conglomerates, of course. But if he announced that new 7pm Channel 4 show, primetime gig, mostly there to reprimand, expose and embarrass the government. And if Johnson and Patel had the mechanisms in place to have him arrested by, let's see, a subservient metropolitan police, and then the story was silenced or, you know, diminished or diluted by the Mail, the Express, the Times, the Sun, the Telegraph, exactly the same way as it has been with this Foreign Office blowjob story, which still today remains off the front pages, despite it being obvious misconduct and an obvious resignation offence. If they had the papers and the Met in a position where they could stop someone like O'Brien from causing them problems. Terrifying question time. Do you think they would have him arrested or charged with something? I absolutely think they would. I've just had a quest, uh, question in the um, in the live chat. Does the government lead the right wing press or is it the other way around? I actually think it's a sort of symbiotic relationship. I think it's. Um, I mean, they're basically siblings. They are on the one hand, Johnson can command. Uh, clear action from even the Times, which I would regard as one of the more credible right-wing papers. I mean, yes, it's in the Murdoch stables, but it's supposed to be editorially independent. It's not supposed to have the hand of Murdoch or Rebecca Brooks reaching down, pressuring it. But clearly Boris Johnson and his cabinet and his press secretary uh, have got an in there. In fact, I think I remember reading about that uh, Johnson's press secretary is actually ex-Murdoch. So there's probably, a, you know, a, a bit of handshaking going on, a bit of promising, exclusive access and so on. I think when Johnson calls in a favour from the Murdoch empire, uh, then it's then reciprocated in some way um, by Whitehall, which in itself is kind of terrifying. It's like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. What What's slightly jarring is when other papers follow suit or indeed other broadcasters. So it doesn't hugely surprise me that a Murdoch paper would agree to pull a story and 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 that it was even before it was published, the actual first draft of it that went out in the early editions of it uh, didn't even contain the revelations about the blowjob. So it was already quite a kind read 
of what had actually taken place. Um, what surprises me is that the other papers have all followed suit, and it doesn't appear that there's any actual super injunction in place because other broadcasters are able to, to discuss it. So, for example, James O'Brien did... Clearly, O'Brien is in my mind tonight. I'm sorry for using him as my reference point. Uh, I promise I do listen to other broadcasters and read various newspapers. Um, but I think O'Brien mentioned it in his show. Uh, I think other people were talking about it on Twitter. I think Byline Times were talking about it. So if there was a super injunction, none of these things would have happened. What surprises me is that still now, even days later, I haven't seen any evidence that the BBC or Sky News have picked this up. Uh, it is absolutely astounding and thoroughly depressing that the, as I've said, like the symbiotic relationship between Whitehall and right-wing press is so powerful and ingrained uh, that, that a story of this magnitude, it, like I'm sure people have articulated their outrage at this way better than I have, but just to sort of go over the bullet points again, Boris Johnson was foreign secretary. He tried to get his then mistress a hundred grand job that she wasn't qualified for. Uh, an MP walked in and busted him getting fellatio on his sofa in his office in the Houses of Parliament. Uh, and then in in payment, effectively, for not telling on him and getting him fired, that MP was then uh, elevated to the House of Lords, <laughs> given the peerage. Like that, there's so many like pillars of scandal in this one thing. And yet, if you read The Telegraph, The Sun, The Mail, you would think the biggest story in the world right now was that Johnson had just flown off to Ukraine again. It is fucking amazing. Um, but back to, to what I was talking about. So in terms of where we're headed right now so if we did get another tory government if they did win at the next ge do you think could you, does it seem that far-fetched does it seem that far-fetched that they might try to jail people journalists for speaking out i don't think we're that far away from it and the weird thing is even then if if you saw somebody that was like an emily mateless or um uh uh oh fuck me what's his name chap that is actually on Newsnight and he's resigning now. Oh, fuck. I can't remember. But or, or like a nagger from um, BBC Breakfast or like, you know, one of these journalists who who obviously come with a sort of left of centre scrutinising, critical uh, way of, of speaking to um, Tory politicians. Um, what if like, do you think it's that outrageous to to suggest that they might try and jail these people or get them removed and use like punish them in some way? And it would serve as a warning to other journalists. Like, don't step out of line. Don't criticize the government. I don't think we're that far away from it. I know it sounds hysterical. We're not. Yeah, that. But we're in the right postcode. You know what I mean? Like, like I was thinking this morning how weird it is that only what, like a year ago, we were all shitting our tits that a Moscow protester... Do you remember she was in the square in, in Moscow and there was journalists that went over there and I think they were talking about... I think it was about the... Was it about Ukraine or was it... I guess it wouldn't have been if it was a year ago. Or was it about the pandemic? I can't remember now. Um, but I remember the protester went into the square and she just held up a placard 
to protest. It didn't even say anything on it, I don't think. I think it was she was just doing this to prove a point that when you go into the square there and look like you you might be protesting, you get bundled off by police. Like she just held up a placard that I don't think said anything and then the police bundled her off. That was it. We don't know what happened to her. And everyone that saw that clip was like, whoa, fascism. Whoa, that that is not right. And now here we are a year later and Steve Bray's getting hauled off, detained by police, having his shit like confiscated from him. It's wild. And yet still now there's people going like, yeah, it's not fascism, though. It's not. I mean, it looks like it and it does smell like it, um, but it's yeah, it's just not. <laughs> And if they jailed like a nagger or a mateless or whoever, still then they would be like, nah, nah, it's not fashion. You lot are just, you're so bloody hysterical. Anyway, back to the States. That's where we uh, we started on the podcast. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, we we touched on Roe v. Wade. Let's talk about this, this Jan the 6th hearing. Because uh, this week the hearing has continued, which seeks to uh, establish as I understand it, happy to be corrected, as always, seeks to establish uh, to what extent Donald Trump was complicit uh, in the January the 6th riots in uh, the Capitol building and, and around it. Uh, and indeed, like the causes of the actual riots, you know, where, like what, what sparked it? Could the president have done anything? Did he aggravate it? Did he try to uh, uh, de-escalate it in some fashion? Uh, anyway, this week that hearing has, has continued, and on the face of it, it's quite damning testimony. A lady called Cassidy Hutchison spoke, and she drew a picture of, I don't know, quite a deranged, angry, tantruming Donald Trump. Uh, it doesn't sound entirely out of character for him, does it? Um, throwing bottles of ketchup at the wall saying Pence deserved to be hanged, that Trump had been told by various senior advisors, uh, colleagues and family members that he had lost the election and that he had to tell people in the Capitol to, to go home. And when you listen to this stuff and when you consume the way it's reported to you, you kind of end up in a mind state where you think, oh, Trump is fucked. Like, he's really fucked. Like, this, this testimony is so damning. And I even saw a few tweets to that effect flying around. Like, he's toast. I think, like, the director, Rob Reiner, who directed uh, When Harry Met Sally, he is now a vociferous uh, critic of Donald Trump, certainly on Twitter. Uh, very democratically active, if that's the right way of saying it. He's a Democrat. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, and there's people like him saying, like, oh, he's fucked. But it gets me thinking, like, is he? Is Trump actually a goner from this? I don't think he is. I don't think he's gone by any stretch. I mean, I I hope he is. Don't get it twisted. I hope Donald Trump has two blocked coronaries and dies on a Mexican manufactured toilet. Sincerely, I pray that every day's events can somehow contain that. Wake up in the morning. Please, today, Lord, can Donald's heart give out and render his teat-sucking children directionless with no line in to Deutsche Bank? Amen. <laughs> I mean, I joke, but that shit is like the Lord's prayer in our house. Um, but is he a goner, do you think? 
Because you think he is, right? You listen to this stuff, and it's being done by Republicans, right? That's a key thing. It's not just left v. right. It's not Democrats trashing Republicans. It's actually right v. right for a lot of it. It's like Liz Cheney, who's daughter of Dick Cheney, famous Republican who stood against Barack Obama. Uh, this is Cassidy Hutchison lady, I gather, comes from a Republican family, and she formerly interned for Ted Cruz. So it's not a partisan court by any stretch. You get this feeling that he's accurately attacked from all sides here. And this is the end, right? You, that's the perception that you, you get. But then you have to remember, I'm actually watching a credible news source. Like when I'm <laughs> when I, well, first thing I'm watching the hearing. That's the key thing. A lot of Americans are just deliberately ignoring it. But secondly, I'm watching it through a credible news source. It's not being distorted or contorted to to reflect some sort of weird handshake agenda. Um, but the second thing is then then you watch the Sky News dispatch from Texas or somewhere. And there were like scores, I mean, scores of people with cowboy hats and flags all lining up to tell the journalist they totally believe the election was stolen and that this hearing is just a kangaroo court. And the election was just all a mass conspiracy. And Trump has always had his closest friends and colleagues turn on him. And this is no different. It's just the establishment have it in for him, etc., etc., ad nauseum. Everything's a conspiracy. Trump is all. And I had a question from someone the other day. And they were like, what exactly is your goal with your Patreon community, Ace? This, <laughs> this level of weird culty commitment, this boy band adulation, weirdly exhibited by 57-year-olds, frothing, he, he can do no wrong, you know? He's fucked your wife. Well, I'm sure he didn't mean to. And when you see the news reports of these people, these Kool-Aid drunk motherfuckers, and you talk to your friends who live in the States and you realise that, I think from memory, it's about 40% of Americans genuinely believe the election was stolen, that Biden didn't win it, honestly. Like, how weird is that? 40% of Americans think it was stolen. And then like when you realize that, when you when you come to grips with that or you're exposed to that polling, then you actually think, well, we're obviously fucked then. <laughs> like if 140 million people or you know, whatever half of America is, genuinely believe the election was rigged because Trump said it was with his checkered history of being dishonest and paying off hookers in dark car parks so they won't trash his political dream all of this shit's on record like if, if they believe trump's weird what do they call it the big lie if they believe trump with his history over this congressional hearing or whatever the fuck it is then i don't know 140 million people believe that we should all be in requiem for a dream levels of despair we should be curled up in a ball sobbing at the state of the world <laughs> here's my Here's my solution to American politics, because you know what? Sometimes I rant on these things and people go, oh, well, what's your solution then, Aid? What's your, all I hear is you moaning. Why don't you ever come at me with, with solutions? All I hear is problems. And it's like, number one, yes, have we just met? That's what I do. I rant, have a bit of a moan. Sometimes I make it funny. Um, but yeah, number two, sometimes I, I come at you with solutions. 
So here's my solution to American politics. I think some states should be able to federalize, for want of a better word, right, some laws. So this is sort of going back to the Roe v. Wade thing, but also just bear with me, okay? If they want to lead, or rather if they want to be led by a certain type of leader, fine. Like if they want to play it that way, split the nation on this election rigging thing, 40% of them, ugh. And there's a massive divide, by the way, in terms of like which states are vociferously pro-life and which states are uh, pro-choice, as you would expect. Again, falling along sort of red-blue lines. Like, if they want to play it that way and continue splitting the nation, I think then people with brains should enter the conversation and go, all right, but we're going to go the whole hog. <laughs> We're going to like, you want to split the nation along these like, right, you should have states like Mississippi and Texas and Alabama and Louisiana, and they should be able to conduct their business in a federal way, right? If you want to ban abortion, fine. You want to distribute a free firearm with a Happy Meal, uh, God bless America. But with that comes richer, more prosperous, more civilized Democrat states. And then you have to give people, every American should be given like $30,000 so they can just up sticks and fuck off. And then <laughs> you'd have like New York State, free healthcare, California, no guns allowed. And the extra tax money that they collect in those states because they have higher tax brackets because they're dem Democrats, that means they then have better public services as well. So in theory, the divide between dumb Republican... Hank, I'm trying to read the Bible, but the pages are all stuck together. <laughs> I told you about this, but like that kind of place. Like the divide between those places and commercial capitalist progressive blue states will become more amplified. And then I think 10 years later, once you've really like amplified those, you know, red and blue states, the deprivation, the backward living of Mississippi versus the progressive commercial success story of like i don't know california or new york 10 years later you'll end up with a booming blue iowa with cryptocurrency banking and a healthy happy population with the healthcare they need and then the news will flip to the guys in mississippi it'll be like so uh average life expectancy is 43 here now um you're all living in tents trump's dead don't you kind of regret going down this federalized legislation road? <laughs> you know they have flying cars in New York now. And still they would be like, I don't care. No, no regrets. Trump is coming back any day now. Trump is risen. I don't know. Maybe, maybe my outlook is just too, like, am I completely devoid of faith? Am I being too dystopian? <laughs> Or is actually this is kind of like where we're headed? Do you guys think anything will happen to Trump? Do we honestly think Trump or Johnson or any of these weird right-wing authoritarians who treat laws and institutions as disposable collateral damage in the culture war, do we think they'll actually see charges or any kind of reprimand or justice? I mean, fuck, like, Boris Johnson has seen charges. But, I mean, like, do we think they, they could actually experience some pain, you know, or removal from the scene? Some sort of balancing of the scales of justice. Do you think we'll see that? Like, what is, what's an appropriate response 
to egging on a fucking insurrection. Personally, I think 30 years. I'd be reasonable with Trump, though, and take it down to 15 on the basis he'll probably be dead in seven. So I could give him some faux compassion at the sentencing. Like, can we get it down a bit? 30 years, Your Honor. All right, 15. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, sure, whatever. Like, difficult to imagine that Donald Trump could be much danger to the United States when he's like 88 years old or whatever 15 years plus is. But what sort of, what sort of um, uh, punishment should we have for like lying in the vote leave campaign? Attempting to disband the Standards Committee, letting Afghanistan burn, tanking the NHS, pressuring newspapers to not run stories, tanking the pound to so low that petrol soars in price to the highest level in history. I think, what, 10 years, 20? Or, I don't know, maybe, maybe a more fitting, uh, more fitting punishment for someone like Boris Johnson would be literally just condemned to write shit telegraph articles in a dwindling newspaper in a dwindling print press and gradually consigned to irrelevance because i think that would be fucking torture for his personality his narcissism to just be gradually ignored you know gradually watered down diluted until eventually he has an awkward meeting with charles moore or whoever's running the fucking telegraph like i don't think you are you really reflecting the two yeah maybe maybe we let you go boris i don't know at the very least i think there should be some sh shouldn't there be some speaker's circuit regulator who can go yeah not him you know because that's always the thing isn't it it's like people come into politics they do a shit job they stand on a stage next to eu leaders and us leaders and they make a fuck up of a few bits of very important legislation and then they go well okay see you later and then it's off to the speaker's circuit and you read about how much they earn and it's like he could earn anything from two hundred and fifty thousand pounds to two million on the speaker's circuit and it gets people like you and me going like you have to be fucking kidding me why would anybody have any interest in listening to what this failing upwards base jumping champion cunt has to say do you know what i mean like who's who is paying him to speak i don't know there's a big thing about cancel culture and blacklisting but come on you're telling me if bill cosby or like harvey weinstein or someone were like i want to talk about the media's treatment of celebrities or so you know then ted talks and universities would have to see their names on the list, you know, that they book from. No, like it wouldn't even make it past the fucking first draft of it. So there should be some checks and balances over whether a crooked, lying, arguably murderous political leader should then be able to go on to give self-amusing speeches and command 50 grand a pop. No, I think there should be. I think for someone like Boris Johnson, that would fit him perfectly. That would be an almost perfect reprimand would be for him to be gradually consigned to tabloid irrelevance and for him to definitely not be booked for any speeches, which definitely like doesn't that feel like his sort of natural habitat is him standing up there giving a speech with a couple of off color jokes and then everyone like big round of applause. If he was blacklisted from that shit, I would come in my pants. What else has happened this week? I've got a little little bit more time left. Um, in the news tonight, Pincher has just resigned. Uh, he's the, I think, the chief whip. Um, and he was uh, found to have groped a 
gentleman or two. And this is the second time that he's had to resign from cabinet for a similar sort of offence. And it comes out that uh, Boris Johnson knew about his prior thing when he gave him the job in the cabinet this time. So it's like he was given a candidate. Oh, but careful, careful, Johnson, careful, Prime Minister. Uh, this guy, actually, he's got something on his record that says he's a bit of a sex pest. Oh, well, don't worry about that. Is he pro-Brexit? That's all that matters. And uh, it, interestingly, like, so Dan Hodges is a columnist for the Mail on Sunday. And even he is sometimes critical of Boris Johnson. Uh, I almost called him Boris there. Uh, but even he this morning... I think he quote tweeted something from another news source where it said number 10 uh, are not basically they're not pushing him to resign from his actual role as an MP. And the reason they don't want to do that is because they don't want to trigger another by-election, which they know they would probably lose. And it would be another humiliating uh, dent in the armor that remains for Boris Johnson. Um, so they were desperate to kind of hold on to him. But Dan Hodges, Mail on Sunday columnist, quote tweets this and says... Uh, by the end of the day, uh, Pincher will have resigned as an MP. Uh, and the only people who don't seem to know this are Boris Johnson and Pincher. Uh, and to, to his credit, you know, I disagree with Dan Hodges a lot, uh, but he was bang on. Like, I mean, everyone could see that. Everyone could see this guy was going to have to resign. It, like, maybe if it was a first offence and maybe if it was a busy news day, people might have turned a blind eye to it if the Queen died or something. He might have clung on. But when it's his second offence and and it's on record that Johnson knew about it, like, it's like, well, bro, come on. You know where this is headed. Why are we, why are we doing this dance? Let's just skip. You know what's strange, though, is like what gets me what what makes me marvel at the news when I see stories like this. Because it's not just this one guy, right? The chief whip. It's it's so you you have this guy who's now uh, been booted. He's he's uh, what's it when you withdraw the whip from an MP, which means that you lose the backing of the Conservative Party, which effectively means you booted out. Right. So there's this guy for groping. Then there was the other guy who was found guilty of sexually assaulting a 15-year-old boy. Then there was the guy watching tractor porn or something in the commons. Uh, like these, these are just the sex offences, right? Oh, no, there was the other guy, um, Warburton. Is that his name? Who was doing coke and like sleazing onto an 18-year-old or 19-year-old girl or something. He lost a whip as well. Uh <clears throat> so there's all of these things going on and that's that's just a sex scandal so we, we're not even getting onto the other like the dodgy shit like the patterson and the second job stuff there's all this stuff and it always makes me marvel it's like when you go into public life i was always under the impression that you have to hold yourself to a higher standard than everyday people in regular jobs in blue chips or a warehouse or you drive a bus you have to hold yourself up to such a high standard you've got to keep your sheets whiter than white because you're on like the public dollar as it were you're the public are paying your salary so you owe it to the public to show that you are taking your job seriously and actually that's why you get to clock out at 3 p.m <laughs> I, th I don't know if they still do that, but that used to be the thing. It was like public sector. You don't get paid loads, but you do get reduced hours. And you used to get like a gold-plated pension. It used to be a pretty sweet deal. And you could retire at like 50 or 55 or something. It was a bit earlier. So it was like, you know, it's not super glamorous work, but it used to be, you know, quite a cushy deal. Um, 
and and so the repayment for that the the bargain that was struck between the public and public servants was that public servants would hold themselves to such a high standard and yet where are we now it honestly feels like even like even when they plundered to the lowest depths like plunge maybe that's the word i was looking for even when they plunge through like barrel scraping through the basement in terms of our expectations and standards like watching porn in the commons taking money from dodgy donors uh changing your twitter handle to fact check uk um holding secret meetings with R rupert murdoch letting him leave by the back door uh pressuring newspapers to not run story all of this stuff is like so far below regular standards it's like how have we how have things turned around that much how has it got to a point where you can grope two people in your place of work on a weeknight shit hammered surrounded by colleagues and you actually think that's not like gross misconduct oh yeah it feels like something i could uh I could probably get away with. Like, are you out of your fucking mind? The other thing, just last point. Other thing I, I found really funny today was uh, I saw one tweet where somebody attempted to blame Starmer for this. Uh, they said, "Oh, if there was a if there was a better opposition, then people like uh, Pincher would never have got the role in cabinet. Or if there was a better opposition." then uh then the tories uh, the cabinet would be held to a higher um a higher standard or something along those lines and it got me thinking it's like that's not too far away from you know these guys who go on like love island and in the intro videos they say stuff like so could you tell us like what's your what's your ideal girl and then the guy will go like, well, yeah, like, you know, blondes, big boobs, um, red lipstick. And uh, and then when they talk about personality, finally, uh, then the guy will say like, yeah, I just want a girl, you know, I want a girl that can keep me in check, you know, keep me keep me on the straight and narrow. It's like when you watch that as an adult male, you actually see that kind of person. You go like, what? How about you just don't act like a dick? Like, why? Why is it on your girlfriend? to tame you and temper you i need a girl to keep me in check don't just don't be an asshole how about that that must be infuriating to women to be like yeah can i be your girlfriend yeah but can you just you know try and keep a leash on me because i am out of control like it's kind of it's like that with with this with starmer and this guy with the groping thing it's like well you know we wouldn't have any of these problems if if the opposition was stronger like how about you just keep your guys in check and stop them getting shit-faced and groping each other in the parliamentary bars in your subsidized tax-free parliamentary bars you utter cretins guys that's it for now um if this is your first time listening to the podcast um as i mentioned earlier i do a solo show which is normally on a wednesday night and then normally on a friday night i would have a guest uh this week i've been ill all week as i no doubt bored you with uh, towards the beginning of the episode uh so i've sort of moved it back and uh, and tonight is now uh, the guestless one um if you want to get first look at these episodes as soon as they come out and you haven't had a chance to jump on the live stream uh, they go on patreon first so jump on patreon.com forward slash aid thompson where i am starting a cult um a cult which i may rebrand to either the Captain Aid Walking Donation Fund. That's certainly a front runner. Uh, 
or the 2022 committee. I haven't decided yet. Um, but yeah, so the Patreon's there. I'm currently setting a goal, my first 10 Patreons. Four of those have gone, so there's only six left. And once we get to 10, I'm going to arrange a meetup slash piss up in London uh, where we're all going to meet up, have a few beers and talk shit about Tories. Um, if you are not in a position to jump on the Patreon, there's three options on there. So there's a pretty cheap one. I think it's three fifty dollars a month. So it's not an awful lot. It's just enough to grab me a coffee, really, or a beer. Um, and then they go up to like five. And then there's an absolutely ludicrous £10 a month thing, I think, which nobody needs to jump on. I, like, you have to do three of them. So I did three. Uh, but if you're not in a position to uh, to support the podcast in that way, that's fine. I totally understand. Uh, we are in a weird time at the moment with money and uh, and that. So all I would ask is that if you do enjoy the the episodes, um, feel free to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. That's always helpful. Uh, or indeed, just send an episode that you've enjoyed to a friend. And you can do that by just clicking the little share thing. It's usually an upwards arrow. Um, and then it will give you some options to send it to people over WhatsApp or copy the link. And then you can paste that in the message. That's super helpful, too, and helps the podcast to grow. Uh, until next time, thanks very much for uh, tuning in. And I'll catch up with you for another solo show Wednesday and a guested one next Friday night. Cheers. Bye bye.